Hi, I'm Veronica from Conscious Collective and welcome to Conscious Conversations, our new podcast for chatting about the methods, magic and madness behind making theatre. This first series of conversations features emerging and established theatre companies and aims to answer the question of how we create theatre in response to the climate emergency. Our show, Freak Out, will be at Vault Festival 2023 at the Network Theatre, Waterloo in London, on the 18th and 19th of March. It follows a community facing the loss of their homes as a result of coastal erosion accelerated by climate change. Our process of reworking the show in preparation for the festival inspired us to open up conversations for sharing creative methods, inspirations and aspirations when making work that addresses and responds to climate change. In this episode, I'll talk to Oli, artistic director and co-founder of Greenhouse Theatre, the UK's first zero-waste theatre. We will chat about sustainable theatre-making practices, the importance of sharing stories that connect us to the environment, and reimagining what a theatre venue can look like. I wondered whether you wouldn't mind introducing yourself first as a creative and theatre maker and then telling us a little bit about your company. Yeah, absolutely. Um, hi, everyone. Hello. My name is Oli. Uh, I'm a theatre maker director from London and I'm currently the artistic director of The Greenhouse, which is the UK's first zero waste theatre. Um, so we use the power of performance and storytelling to help spark more sustainable lifestyles, more sustainable working practices um, and through that hopefully uh, making the world just a little bit greener um, and I've been doing that now for about f- five or six years. How did it all begin for Greenhouse Theatre? A-, a few years ago I was on a tour with uh, some some colleagues around the UK and around Ireland and um, the tour was to a load of different rural locations uh, ac- across the across the country and into Ireland as well um, and we were doing a few shows. We ended up with, uh, doing a run at the, the Edinburgh Fringe for a, a couple of weeks. Um, and by, before we got there, we were doing three shows. One of them was A Midsummer Night's Dream. And A Midsummer Night's Dream had sold about 90% of its tickets before we even arrived, which was great. Uh, but, you know, Shakespeare's out, um, at the Fringe especially. So we were doing the normal thing that you do at the Fringe, standing on the Royal Mile, handing out flyers. And... Um, it was absolutely pouring with rain and I kind of turned to our marketing lead at the time and I was like, "This surely this is a waste of our time. We only have to sell 10% of our tickets. Surely this is useless. And she was like, yeah, and it's also pretty bad for the environment, you know, with all of these uh, all these flyers that, that everyone's printing. Uh, and we, we've done some research into that and the tonnage of paper waste generated by the fringes is just shocking. Um, so... That was kind of the first seed of something towards the greenhouse. Uh, a couple of months later, a, a good friend of mine, close collaborator, Henry Roberts, uh, who wrote 12, um, which was a show that was on in the greenhouse in 2021, uh, had a script that he wanted to, he, he'd been working on called Swallows. And it was a look at kind of violence and eco-terrorism and uh, violence towards nature, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and he, it kind of landed on my desk and he was like, do you want to take a look at this? And I was like, yeah, sounds great. Uh, and so I had a read through and it was just a really interesting, really visceral script. I really connected with it on, on quite a deep level. Um, and from there, it kind of snowballed, really. Um, I, I spoke to another collaborator of mine a, a, a couple months after that the script arrived at my desk and 
we got talking about where we might be able to do this show and how we might be able to do it. And the more we spoke about it, the more we kind of realised if we wanted to do this show that was all about the environment and our relationship with the natural world, it seemed not quite right to do that in your traditional venues uh, with all the waste that's generated, et cetera, et cetera. And so I, I can't remember who said it. I think it was me, but I was like, okay, so should we just build a venue? And there was some backwards and forwards and then we did. Before making that show, before doing Swallows, you, you didn't have these conversations as a company. And was that something that you were thinking about in the back of your head, perhaps? I mean, not really. Um, I, you know, I've always been interested in, to a de- I've always been interested to a degree in the environment in the way that kind of, I think most people are. Um, but no, it was never really my work until that happened. And, you know, then you, you delve into it and you research and you learn. And, and now I'm here talking to you on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's really interesting because we, I think, are on the same journey, but we are at the very beginning stages of it. So when in June we were working on Freak Out, which is the show that we're taking to Vault, we kept having these conversations about our responses to the climate emergency in the UK and the way that it is covered in the media. What role do we have as storytellers and theatre makers in that conversation? And from that, I think all these thoughts around how do we actually start making theatre more sustainably are slowly emerging. In theatre, it's on the one hand, as with many industries, as with every industry, it's a, a big part of it is practice. So how do we practice in a more sustainable way? But compared to like, I don't know, steel manufacturing, um, the performing arts, any art form, any creative industry um, carries just a slightly different burden because it's inherently public facing, because we engage and tell stories with, with people. Um, there's an opportunity not just to implement better practice, but to yeah, change the way that people view and think about these things and, and the stories that they're telling and the way that they fit themselves into those stories. And in a way, you're also taking accountability of the stories you're telling. So you're not just telling a story, everything that you do around that sharing and everything that you do with the audiences also is a part of uh, your job as a, as a theatre maker. Um, but not everyone thinks that. And that's that's worth noting. Not not everyone thinks, uh, you know, a lot of creatives think that the work ends uh, work ends on the stage, whether they say they do or not. Uh, the reality of the uh, the vast majority of companies that we've worked with is that the the work they're making is work for stage, and it doesn't necessarily, you know, organisational practice, and that means management practice, it means sustainability practice, it means a whole host of different things, isn't necessarily a part of that. And there are some really awesome organisations that aren't that are thinking more holistically but this move towards a more holistic approach isn't this move towards a more holistic approach isn't something that's new but i think is something that hope that we're seeing a bit more of and it either way is something that is incredibly important no matter what you're no matter what you're making the crisis becomes so colossal and so intangible people begin to believe their actions are insignificant in comparison that's the quote that i i took from your website and you're linking that quote with that research project that you've led with somebody from London School of Economics, assessing the impact of your work and how the stories that you're telling are actually translating into your audience's engagement with the, the topics. And yeah, I wondered whether you can share a little bit about how that holistic approach to theatre uh, then translated into the audience experience. Yeah, great question. Um... I, so there's information about that on, as you say, on the website. Um, 
we this was our first ever kind of collaboration with an academic because we think it's really important to be able to demonstrate our ideas it's important that you know we're not just chucking spaghetti at the wall but we're able to say actually look you know this this works and it was really interesting working with dr shrida um really really smart woman and like really brilliant academic um, and she kind of does research around storytelling and narrative and how that affects affects climate action um the conclusion from this research paper was that people who attended the greenhouse had a slight increase in their propensity for environmental action than people who didn't basically um which is exciting there's still a lot more research that we need to do before we're able to conclusively say yes this works um and there's still a lot more research that we need to do before we're able to um not not just say this works but encourage other people to to take the same approach and and to understand the best approaches for for delivering that impact um but having said that my very much anecdotal but my anecdotal experience is that it is impactful um i've seen it change the lives of tens of people that i've worked with not not in any sort of way but um and kind of drive them towards more either more sustainable pr- uh, creative practice or you know leaving the industry altogether and and taking uh, degrees and masters in sustainable development and all that kind of stuff um which has been really remarkable and really exciting the process to answer your question more directly the process of working more holistically w- one thing that that does is it creates a sense of holisticism it creates a sense that a piece be it a show or be it the way that you run your front of house is part of a whole and that is what we lack in the wider climate debate so the big issue that we're facing isn't so much that people aren't aware that there's a problem it's that they feel as as you pulled the, the quote there they feel that their actions are insignificant in the face of things sure not recycling you know not recycling one plastic bottle might not be the most impactful thing ever but every you know every little helps we're a collective species and so I may be I may be stretching the metaphor a bit thin here but you know by taking a more holistic approach to the work that we're doing I we hope that it helps to foster the sense of community and connection that is vital in any organization in the arts or outside of the arts that's trying to create and create genuine public and social change around climate action the the greenhouse venue is such a core part of the work that you're doing and also as you've mentioned serves as a more holistic venue what can we expect when we come in how these values of holistic theater making impact yeah the, the way that the venue is set up the most important thing about the venue and if you head to our website thegreenhousetheatre.com you'll see plenty of photos the most important thing about the venue is that it's made completely from found and recycled materials so that means everything that we use had a life had a story before it was with us and anything that we don't want anymore goes on to have a life and story after us although obviously we try to reduce and reuse as much as we can before we have to pass things on um so as you step into the venue um into a small repurposed shed that we painted white uh you're stepping into the box office and there's a door, uh, a little a little box office table just to the right there. We line the venue, the outside of the venue as much as we can with plants and with flowers to make it appealing and you know a nice place to be visually appealing. And all those kind of colors and smells hopefully kind of contribute to the overall aesthetic and the overall feeling of being in the space. So come through the box office into the main space. The main space is set up in the round. Uh, it's a octagon um 
and there are benches on all sides. The There isn't a floor. So as you're in the space, you're in contact with the ground beneath you. Usually that's grass, occasionally astroturf. The ceiling is made out of clear plastic. So you can see the sky directly above you. So you've got this kind of great connection between the sky right above you and the ground right beneath you. Um, one reviewer in 2019 for the first design of the venue described it as a wooden cathedral, which was just the nicest thing anyone's ever said about anything I've ever done. Um, and yeah, I, I guess there's, in many ways, it's a theatre space that you recognise. There's a space and there are people sitting around it to watch something. But in many ways, it's not a theatre space that you'd recognise. We don't really use set. The venue is, is enough of a set, in my opinion. I've just spent three bloody weeks building the thing. I should hope it's useful. Um, we don't really use lighting, but it's mostly naturally lit. Occasionally, if we go after sunset, we'll have some shared lighting, like some fairy lights or that kind of thing, but nothing particularly significant. Um, there's very rarely is there amplified sound. Most of the time we're using live sound, acoustic music and that kind of thing. And what that leads to, and what's really interesting to me about that, is it leads to a real exemplification, a real amplification of what it is to make theatre, what it is to make live performance. It, we're not focusing on the trappings and all these other bits and pieces. It's really, the, the venue is a space that is really about people sitting and sharing a story together. Um, and it's really like, because it's so stripped back, it allows those stories to really feel like there is really create a sense of connection, really create a sense of togetherness um, and presence in, in a way that is sometimes lacking in, in, in larger venues or really any venue. I think the, the worst thing about theatre is that it's indoors. Uh, you know, obviously there's some great outdoor theatre and, and I love that. But one of the worst things about, yeah, most theatre is that you don't see the sunlight. You don't know what the weather's doing. Well, you don't get that opportunity at the greenhouse. It's you're present with what's happening. Um, and I think on a slightly bigger scale, or maybe I'm getting a bit grandiose, but on a slightly bigger scale, I think that means that, you know, it's mindful. It creates a much bigger connection with, the, with just the world around you. Um, rather than just going in and hiding away and being told a story, you're being told a story in a space that is alive and present. In one of the reviews I've read, the unflashy nature of a zero-waste venue requires stamina. And that quote really stopped me. And I think this this is what you're referring to in terms of, actually, we don't have much set and we don't have much much lighting. We are for focusing on here and now and on the story we're telling. I wondered, was there a shift in terms of your aesthetics of your theatre making? Or was it always like that? Was that caused by the venue? Yeah, it's interesting. So, like, you know, it, it's it, as with a lot of things, it's kind of worked out really nicely. I've only directed a handful of shows in theatres, in actual venues. The vast majority of my work to date has been is site-specific, found locations, outdoor, uh, that kind of thing. I don't think I've ever directed a show that wasn't either in the round or in traverse. Um and so just like working in unusual like, setups and in unusual locations is that's that's my bread and butter that's that's what i do um and so and so setting that up with the greenhouse and having the greenhouse as yeah an unusual location was second nature it, it, it fitted in really well to answer your question a bit more directly i don't really know whether the uh, the practice and the kind of artistic idea behind the greenhouse came as a result of my personal artistic beliefs 
from before we'd even set up all our, our mission statements and our practice, or if it emerged as a necessity out of those that the, are sustainable, our sustainable and zero waste, you know, practice. In reality, it's probably a combination of the both, and I think I'm very lucky that I'm well suited to be running the organisation because that type of theatre is exciting and, and, and appealing to me anyway. Um, that the unflashy nature of a zero waste venue requires stamina. Potentially a slightly misleading quote, I think. Although maybe not. It definitely requires a lot of work and a lot of quite un, quite different work from performers. Performers, I think, are performing in a way that they're not used to. It, you have to be incredibly honest and incredibly present in a way that you don't necessarily have to be even in a black box theatre because th there's so many other things that people are focusing on. You need to... And that's why we only really do shows that are between 45 and 75 minutes long and often on the shorter end of that scale because you have to hold the attention... You, as the performer, have to hold the attention of the audience for that, for that period. There's no... There's nothing else. It's just... It's just you and whoever else you're on stage with. Um... And yeah, that is tiring and that is difficult, but I also think it's really exciting and fantastic and it leads to better, more engaged, more present theatre and theatre that people are more excited about. Something that we're really proud of is that our teams, our creative teams and our performers like to spend time in the space. And so what's great is like, our, and this does happen in a lot of theatres, of course, but after almost every show, the actors are kind of milling around, hanging out. There isn't really anywhere for them to escape to apart from anything else. Um, and so that sense of connection that's created through this really intimate and really live performance then continues offstage and around the venue. Um, when, we're, when we're open this year, uh, we're going to be open this summer, um, we're going to be introducing our first zero waste bar. I have to put my hands up and say we're trying really, really, really hard to make it zero waste. It's unlikely that it's going to be completely zero waste, which is tricky. But we're working, we're working our ass off to to make to get it as as close to that as possible. Um, but that's just going to add another feather and create this kind of sense of yeah, connection and community and, and socialness. Something that we've been thinking about is that probably to me at least as a theatre maker, the most important part of it is after the show ends when you when you do meet your audience members and you you ask them uh, what they thought of, of the show, of the story, what came up for them. Um, and it sounds like the Greenhouse uh, Theatre is, is such a perfect space to facilitate that. It doesn't feel like a show ends from what you're, what you're saying. You've been to many theatres and you've also been to your, your venue many many times uh, do you see a difference in how the audience approaches the performers and and the makers is there less of a barrier between them because of the nature of the venue or uh i'm gonna answer that question in a bit of a roundabout way i think something that's really important and really important to us is um much like happiness i think impact through performance is uh, kind of lost when you start chasing it. If if you were actively seeking impact and trying to chase that impact and trying to understand that impact, this isn't always true. And I really, really do believe in the value of like audience surveys to hear what people think about productions. And uh, as we spoke about, we've done research, but a lot of the time really chasing that impact isn't necessarily, isn't at all the best way to have an impact. I'm much more likely to feel like I've been successful through the work that I've done if a person who I've never spoken to before joins us for a drink after the show. 
who's kind of hanging around and they want to come and hang out and, and chat more. That, that to me demonstrates that that person feels a sense of community in this space much more than me asking them about it and, you know, trying to really drill down into that. Actions speak louder than words. And I think a big part of what the greenhouse does, and I, 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 maybe we'll get onto this in a minute, is around just personal response and personal connection rather than um, you know really trying to strong arm people into doing something differently having said that yes we you know I, I feel and obviously I feel this way it's my, my project but I do feel genuinely that the venue is sees different audience responses than other venues that I've been at because it's a completely different space it's, it's a space that as I say you can recognise as a theatre, but at the same time, it's unrecognisable from a theatre. And it gets rid of that kind of pretension of theatre going and, and getting all dressed up and, like... It, and it really brings it back to what the fundamentalness of ness of theatre is, which is a lot of people sitting in a room trying to learn about something, trying to understand the, the human experience. And I think people really connect with that. At the end of the day, when you focus on what theatre is, which is... A, li- a live moment, a live communion between different people. That's really powerful. And the space that we have in the way that it's designed and in the work that we make really exemplifies that or, or really, as I say, amplifies that. Mm. I wonder whether we can maybe chat a little bit about your programming and um, what sort of shows and what sort of stories uh, are you looking to be bringing in into the space? Mm. And is that something that um you actively seek out you commission great question uh, and you've given me an opportunity for a little bit of a plug actually um so the greenhouse is actually programming at the moment we've got a big residency coming up this summer and we're t- actually today opened our we're opening our programming for that um in the past we've done commissions i don't well we'll, we'll see but i don't know that they were the most impactful way to do what to deliver what we want to deliver and so this year we're looking at more of a festival model um we've got somewhere like 70 performance slots um still tbc but somewhere like 70 performance slots um and we're really excited to be reaching out for to, to other companies um and we're also it's an open application process so we're excited to hear from anyone who thinks they've got something to say um and then we'll be going through them and picking the program for for the venue and shows will be there for kind of anywhere from one to six slots um the most important thing when we're picking the shows that we're creating ourselves because we we are also probably primarily really a producing company um and so yeah when we're thinking about the shows that we're creating ourselves and when we're looking at the shows that we're programming as well i suppose um the most important thing is that the, they in some way explore our connection with the natural world and with the natural environment and with each other. Um, We don't make, we very, very rarely, if ever, make shows that are explicitly about climate catastrophe, climate change, climate disaster, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all of those things. The reason for that is basically we don't think they work. my my ideas some of our research and just like our thinking is that if you want to genuinely get people to change their behavior it's much more effective to help them reach their own conclusions and build an emotional relationship or 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 strengthen or redefine an emotional relationship with 
the natural world and with each other. As I mentioned before, connection and community is such a big block in, I think, uh, to climate action because people feel so ineffective. We have, I think st- there are statistics about this on our website. I can't, I can't remember them right now. Um, but the statistics that demonstrate that people are much more likely to, people feel that working collectively is much more effective than, uh, you know, working on their own when it comes to climate change. Obviously, because it is, because that's true. Um, and so that's to each other. And then and then in terms of connection with the natural world, um, yeah, people know the facts. People know that the temperature is warming. People know that we need to do something in the next, you know, five years. Um, people know all these things that that and that hasn't that doesn't necessarily change action what that really does and i think is it makes people bury their head in the sand because it's scary it's so big and and, and colossal and such a horrible problem whereas when you spend a minute because most people don't do this the vast majority of people don't do this when you spend an hour sitting in a sitting basically outdoors in an outdoor venue you've got the sky you've got the grass this year we're right by the thames you'll be able to hear the thames when, you, when you're in a, in a natural space, it just reminds you what it is to be in those spaces and why those spaces are important. Um, the shows that we program are hopeful. Um, when, you know, we don't necessarily shy away from, from dark or challenging shows, but we want people to have a reason to get out of bed in the morning. We feel like there is a solution to this problem and we want the shows that we put on to reflect that. Um, the shows we put on are all about co- a connected uh, they're about helping people feel connected to each other and, as I say, to the natural world. Um, and the shows that we put on, we favour story. We really love story, be- really beautiful, engaging, exciting stories, particularly stories that feel like they haven't been told before, stories from underrepresented voices and that kind of thing. Um, this year, on top of that, we're particularly excited to hear about slash from stories that are connected to water in some way because we're at the royal docks and they have a big uh, relationship with with water it was the the largest oh man i can't remember what it is something like the largest dock ever when it was built something along those lines um which is pretty cool and so we want to connect with that crucially though talking about programming for the summer and talking about programming in general we aren't necessarily looking for shows that are about the environment in fact as i say we often explicitly are looking, aren't looking for shows that are explicitly about the, the environment. We, if, if we see a show or hear about a show that has a really beautiful story, is hopeful and creates that sense of connection, that, that's, that's programmable for us. It doesn't necessarily matter what it's about um, as long as it kind of t- ticks, ticks those boxes. The other part of that is every moment that someone spends in the greenhouse... Sorry, I'm really going on with this answer. But <laughs> the, the other part of that is every moment someone spends in the greenhouse, you've got to remember, is a micro-action. It's a sustainable micro-action. They're choosing to spend money on being in a zero-waste venue, at a zero-waste bar, or as close to zero-waste as possible. Um, they're making small choices and learning how easy it is to live and to act more sustainably. And how much they can demand that from other companies that they engage with in the arts or elsewhere. Um, and by creating a space that is a, a nice place to be, that presents really awesome, high quality work, we're increasing the frequency of those kind of micro actions and the number of people that we're, we're engaging with. So, yeah, you know, as long as our shows tick those boxes and those are the boxes that mean they would fit, in, fit well into the venue itself, the actual building. Um, we're not so fussed about the, necessarily the, con- the content, like exactly what they're about. Um, 
Yeah. I've actually found it super interesting reading the snapshot for the future that you that you've published that uh, one of the goals is to normalize sustainability and you are mentioning that um, you don't want to just be telling stories that uh, are about environment and linked to the environment but you want to embed the, the way of working and the practice and then uh, use that platform to be sharing other stories and discuss other issues and when when you hear the name greenhouse greenhouse theater, there is a very clear image that I think people have in their heads. We often label companies, arts organizations, and and artists. You know, this is the company that speaks about the environment and makes that sort of work. Have you ever felt restricted by by that label and perhaps by the way that uh, your company was? perceived yeah absolutely I, I so i took a sabbatical for the last kind of like nine months uh through 2022 um for that exact reason i was getting in a real funk and i was like i i this is an important issue to me but i can't keep making work about it i need to tell other stories and i need to explore my my creativity um and then i realized that i can do what i want <laughs> i realized that you know that's my that's my choice and and actually as i as i've just explained to you i think there's plenty of really valid and exciting reasons to not tell stories about the environment in a sustainable context and by doing that still having the impact that that this company wants to have um the thing with the greenhouse is like yeah sure greenhouse is a word that's thrown around a lot in terms of emissions and in terms of uh, global warming or, or or climate change but Greenhouse means lots of other things. There are plenty of other companies that use the phrase and, and word greenhouse um, to mean a space for germination, a space for growth and a space for exploration. And for us, that's really, I think, what we're tapping into. You know, it's less about like the exponential increase in temperature and or climate action, um, depending on how you want to take it, and much more about the growth of the growth, the growth of, of, of people and of communities um, and giving people an opportunity to kind of really exp express and explore themselves. And it, and it does sound like even hearing your origin story, that the focus on community and hope was much more present than maybe climate action. How was it to make that snapshot for the future document? Oh, great. It helped us articulate what we wanted to do more. And by articulating it, it helped us refine and define and move towards um, move towards that more strongly. Um, I think it helps from a funding perspective because it allows us to more effectively communicate what we do. Um, and that makes it easier to bring in, uh, has made it easier to bring in some funding. Um, And it's also for me personally, I, I, it's important to me to know where I'm going, to have a kind of guiding star. Um, and so, and I think that's true of a lot of people, to be honest. And so creating this really allowed us to say like, great, this is what we're moving towards. This is the goal for the organization. And this is where we want to be. And let's just make it happen. That snapshot has been around for a while, actually. Um, that's been around since, uh, for probably about three or four years now I think 2019 2020 is when we would have made that um but it's still it's still accurate it's still it's still what we want um I hope I really really hope that we manage to find a permanent space that that's the big thing for us you know I really hope that we will be able to find a permanent space and we'll be able to expand we'll be able to do more work we'll be able to more deeply embed in the community um that would be incredible unfortunately it's very expensive to do that kind of thing but um and that's sad, but, you know, I, I, I hope, I do really hope, and I'm hopeful that that's something that we'll be able to do. Um, 
planning for the future is a big part of my of me and who I am and the ability to kind of pitch out check out these big visions and then hopefully you know be moving towards them um yeah it's something that I really love and value um and so doing that was an absolute joy and now the trouble is delivering on it but I you know I really do think we're moving in that direction so this podcast is actually mostly for uh for theater makers and for young theater makers that might be at a very early stage of their journey as a company how did you go about creating snapshot for the future for for a company especially in a time that is quite unstable for the arts and the artists in in this country specifically there's this really interesting company uh, called zingerman's community of businesses um they're really cool they mostly do food stuff they're based in uh, michigan i think in in the usa uh, they're really cool they're just a really interesting organization and for anyone who is starting a, any type of business theater or otherwise um and who is thinking about you know developing mission statements and snapshots and etc etc um le- just looking at some of their resources and learning about how they work it, it is incredibly helpful um they they are fantastic they're fantastic storytellers even though they're not necessarily in the arts um in terms of like how they deliver their business and they do a lot of training um and yeah they're just really interesting and i, I came across them i can't remember how through something or other through some other work and just became a little bit obsessed and so yeah they were also th- th- them and uh the the kind of way that organization works were a really big inspiration for what we ended up creating in terms of the snapshot for the future and our vision our visions and all that kind of thing it got everyone on the same page it creates buy-in because everyone's contributing to it and and if everyone's contributing to it they feel like it's kind of their vision and they're excited about it as well as much as everyone else and that's so important to make sure that everyone kind of is present and and, and is excited about it to young theater companies who wish to become more sustainable where do we start? What are some pieces of advice that you give to companies that you consult uh, with? Because one of the things that Greenhouse Theatre does is uh, doing consultancy for arts organisations as well. Terrible answer to your question, but it is the answer. Uh, just do it. It is actually so, so, so simple. It's really, really not that complicated. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to do everything, you know we've all heard that phrase a million times that we need everyone doing veganism imperfectly rather than one perfect vegan you know or just to use that as an example right we you don't need to do it perfectly you don't need to be winning but cutting down the amount of the amount that you're printing by 50 percent that's hugely that can be hugely impactful on a piece of new writing if you're you know printing new scripts every every few days in rehearsal trying to reduce the amount of waste that you're generating from your shows again really easy and really positive um there are much bigger things that you can do in terms of like sustainable riders, uh, looking at like where and 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 when if you are lucky enough to be touring, looking at where the energy that is generate the the locations that you're working in, where they're getting their energy from, um, but you know that's on a potentially slightly bigger scale. And for smaller organisations, what we tend to say is give it a go, just just try, set yourself some goals and see what happens. It, it, if you're trying then you're moving in the right direction um a couple of practical pieces of more practical pieces of advice firstly it's always really useful to have someone who's in charge um so where whoever that is in the organization someone taking the lead on i'm going to be in charge of making sure that we're as sustainable as possible and allowing that person to have that 
power and that responsibility aligned and to have the power to say please don't print this script today whatever um it's useful because then that just means decision making lies with one person it makes things a little bit easier um try to give yourself more time is the other thing or is is, is another thing um Waste is often generated because of a lack of time. Um, you know, we're scrambling to get stuff together in the rehearsal room. If you can give yourself a little bit more time, you've got time to go to charity shops, you've got time to look on eBay and, and Gumtree rather than go straight to Amazon. Um, and all of that is is super useful. And then the third easy thing that we do is, yeah, talk about it. Talk to other theatre companies and talk to your audience and kind of, you know, you don't need to be yelling about it and shoving it down their throat, but opening up those conversations with other companies, making it clear that it's something that you're excited about and that you want to be doing and it's something you are doing, um, just helps to normalise it and helps to make it a thing. Um, you know, ideally we want to live in a world where we don't need affirmative action, where we don't need to be uh, yelling about our sustainability, where, like, there isn't a pay gap, etc., etc. But until we live in that world, it's important to be vocal if you are doing things to challenge all of those issues um, so that people see that it's, you know, they're issues that are important to be challenged. You mentioned normalising it and speaking to other theatre companies about it. Now as we're preparing for our run at Vault, we keep seeing a lot of companies who, who are eco-theatre companies or make shows about environmental topics. And it made us feel quite hopeful about the state of the theatre scene in the UK but I we also recognise that Vault is quite a specific space so uh, I wanted to ask what's the what's the eco theatre scene like in the UK how far have we come from when the greenhouse was starting out it's definitely growing uh, and I think the greenhouse was was kind of right on the early end of that of, of what has been a bit of a wave of people wanting to make that kind of work but it's also, as with any movement in fringe theatre or starting in fringe theatre, it's it's been quite rocky. Uh, money funding has been hard. Um, resource has been hard, not just for us, but for other organizations. There are plenty of other organisations that, uh, like for example, Staging Change, were a really awesome organisation that that were kind of a, um, I guess, a collective for eco-minded theatre makers. Um, and unfortunately, they had to close because they just didn't have the money. They didn't have the resource to to keep it going, and that that's really sad. But it is really great that these are stories that we're telling. I do want to say, though, not though, I do want to say and. Um, we do have to remember, it's fantastic, that, as, as I say, it's fantastic that we're making stories about the environment, about climate, and et cetera, et cetera. But that's not really necessarily the big, big-term goal. It's great that we have those stories, but really the goal is to normalise sustainable practice for every story that's being told, whether it's about climate or not. And the important thing is, now that these organisations have started telling environmental stories, that's fab, but how can they transfer the knowledge and skills that they have from a more practical and practice-based perspective into other work that they're making and into other organisations so that the practice so that we don't have to change the topic of the industry and that there is still absolute free reign to talk about a range of different things through work that's being put on stage but the all of those things are made in a environmentally friendly way much like they should be made in a in a way that prioritizes diversity and equity and um, other very important issues it should become part of practice for all organizations which again we're definitely moving in that direction. And I think that's really positive. For example, the Theatre Green book that was published last year. Um, of, obviously, so plenty of issues with it, but like really great that 
there are large organizations that are wanting to kind of develop understand and then put that out there um we've seen a massive uptake in carbon literacy training for example which is something that we're working to offer but we haven't unfortunately been able to <laughs> we haven't been able to pull our finger out and make it happen yet um but that's been something that's been quite i think becoming quite prolific um and that and that's really exciting um the number of people drop emailing us has gone up um and kind of being like hey how can you know can you help us with this um our, our consultancy income has gone up which is good um good for us and good for everyone i think <laughs> um yeah and, and and i guess people are interested and that's that's it that's good really you know when you find out places like the national are asking questions about like how they make how they can make sure that the designers and the creators that they're working with are delivering in a environmental way when we find out that like i was recently working on a commercial production and like even in that space there were questions about like how do we make sure that this is before i even brought them up how do we make sure that this is as sustainable as possible etc etc um yeah all of that it's hap- it's it, it is happening and we and, and and i can see that it's it's happening the trouble is we need to we need to keep pushing it we do need to keep making it so it can go as far as it can go you know it's really really firstly it's useful it is useful to a degree for larger organizations but for organizations like yourselves like uh, the the organizations that the the um, the greenhouse. Some of the organisations that the greenhouse has worked with before, smaller organisations. Um, a lot of the stuff isn't necessarily super applicable, um, and I also think it's a little bit. I think it lacks ambition in some places. I think it could. I think it needs to be more ambitious because we need to be more ambitious. Mm. To sum to summarise, I know that now you're looking to move from stories specifically about environment and environmental problems. Could you maybe? Uh, Tell us a, a little bit about the productions that you, you, you put on and some of the stories that you were telling, um, just so we yeah. get a sense of the work that you're making. Yeah, so um, a show that we did, for example, one show that we did in 2019 that I co-directed was called The Voices We Hear, um, and that was a misc post-apocalypse, not necessarily climate apocalypse, just kind of like post-apocalypse uh, show where it was a two-hander and basically the idea was uh this one woman had a radio um and she was trying and trying and trying to get in touch with other people uh, and she couldn't and so she kind of swallows a bottle of pills waits for death to come and just as she does that someone enters the room but they're not in the same place they're speaking on it they found a walkie-talkie um and so it's basically the last half hour of this woman's life as they're kind of like communicating uh, to each other um and so it's kind of this like queer love story all about like connection what we have to lose when we lose society <laughs> the natural world um, and that kind of thing that was a really fun show because it was uh timed to basically it started just before sunset and it finished just after sunset and so because of the venues naturally lit so there's that big kind of lighting state change um as, as the show progresses which was really a lot of fun um yeah really really a lot of fun so that's one example from that same program we also had a show called shell shock which was like a farce musical um about a oil company that is looking trying to kind of be green or or appear greener um and so they get a mascot which is this big old turtle um and it's just a load of comedy and and lots of fun around that um last year last year it's not last year anymore 2021 um 
I did a production of As You Like It, which was a lot of fun. That was with a load of kind of original music, six performers, very high energy. Uh, and yeah, fun really was the op- operative word there. So it's a whole range of things. And I mean, we programmed dance as well uh, in the past. Um, and we also, something that we've been exploring a lot of before I took a step away was we were exploring commissions as well. So we, we did a commission with the Design Museum down in Kensington, um, creating a kind of story to immersive storytelling immersive interactive storytelling project mm. to go alongside uh, their autumn exhibition all about waste. Um, so yeah, a broad array, but again, stories, hopeful, connected, I think are the big words that we're excited about at the moment. Mm-hmm. Was there any story that uh, had a particularly big impact on the audiences? Anything that comes to mind that was almost uh, a highlight or a, a surprise? Or a low light, yeah, the, well, so the original show, Swallows, was a, no, not a low light at all, I think a really fantastic piece of theatre, but the audience response was very mixed. Some people loved it, and some people really, really, really didn't, didn't love it at all. Some people really disliked it. Um, but, you know, that's, that's the way it goes, there's no accounting for taste. Um, that was our most climate-heavy show that we've ever done, it was very, it was, it was fairly on the nose. But I, I thought it was a really powerful piece, it kind of, it was about these eco-terrorists who were about to hit a fracking plant um, and, like, what they were going to do. But it quickly kind of dissolves into this, like, almost, like, Pinter-esque, surreal, absurd, um, like, uh, metaphor for our relationship with the natural world and with each other. Mm. Um, It was fun. It was really, really fun to make. It was a really fun show to make. Um, And the people who liked it were like, oh, this is, like... You could tell the people who didn't like it and the people who did. It was quite violent and quite in your face, but the people who liked it found it funny and the people who didn't, didn't find it funny. And it is, I think it is a funny script. It's bleak and sad, but it is also hopeful and funny, I think. Um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> so what, 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 were, um, what were the people saying who didn't find it enjoyable, who didn't find it Too, much. That, too that, much. Well, it was actually, ah, yeah. A lot of them were saying it was kind of too much and very intense, but some of them were saying, like, what, some of them were basically saying, like, this show is really anti-environmental action and, like, anti-climate group and anti, like, anti-XR and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and, that, you know, that's not the case. That's not my opinion at all. Um but because it paints these activists, these terrorists in, well, they're terrorists, so, you know, it doesn't paint them in a great light. Um, I think people very quickly jump to the wrong conclusion. The, the trouble is for people who are interested in climate and interested in the environment, any kind of, in, interestingly, the work we make, we try not to necessarily just make work for those people. Um, and I'm talking about, when I say those people, I mean, this is kind of a 35 to like 60 age bracket, people who are really like, they know their stuff and they have known about it for a while and they have done work on it for a while. Um, we tend to not make work for that age bracket, A, because they're doing great. Well done them, fantastic. But also because challenging them is hard. Um, they don't love that. So mostly we're making work for basically your average person who's aged between 16 and 35. And that age group tends to have a fairly good level of awareness about climate and the natural world but tends to not have a super high level of action around climate and the natural world um yeah maybe one last question because i'm i'm uh, aware that we've been speaking for a while and thank you for your time yeah Uh, of course what's what's next for the greenhouse theater and 
uh, yeah, let our listeners know what's uh, what they should be um, waiting for. Keeping our eyes out yeah. for. Yeah, uh, yeah, great. So as I say, we're we we've opened programming today. Today recording. Uh, so this is the beginning of February. Um, and we've got the uh, programming applications will be open until mid March, and then the greenhouse is back baby from the we're open from the 1st of june to the 16th of july in thames barrier park down in the royal docks um exact timings of that tbd uh, but there'll be a bar there'll be events there'll be music there'll be pub quizzes there'll be lots of fun things to do as well as some fantastic theater um if you head to our website www.thegreenhousetheatre.com um yeah hopefully there'll be there'll be more information up there soon uh, you can sign up to our mailing list on the website as well uh, just to keep updated about all the stuff that we're doing and what we're working on um it would be great to see you all there if you guys are around definitely well thank you so much for that ollie and thank you for um for yes yeah, speaking to us today um, yeah, my yeah we will pleasure. see we will see you at the venue <laughs> <laughs> i'm so thank you thank you for listening to this episode of cointel's conversations sign up to greenhouse theater newsletter to keep up to date with their offer for the summer. And come and watch our show, Freak Out, at the Network Theatre on the 18th and 19th of March. Tickets are available on the Vault Festival website. You can follow us on at Cointos Collective on all our socials to stay up to date with our next episodes, plus all our ongoing and future projects. See you soon! <laughs>